Friday, September 29th, and it is raining. <laughs> this is uh, episode three. All right, this is Dr. Stout. Um, picking up where we left off last week, we were talking about the uh, growth of the brain, how that related to uh, change in diet from uh, mostly uh, carbohydrate-based uh, high-fiber roots to a uh, more uh, meat-rich diet, still a lot of... Uh, digging for roots, but uh, now uh, it's uh, changing to sort of softer and uh, higher calorie uh, content meat, uh, and that this was uh, enabling a huge uh, expansion of brain growth. And so uh, there was the, the um, co-evolution of our tools and our brains. So we got tools that could get through hides and uh, get into uh, bone marrow and supply the fat that our developing uh, brains would have needed as infants and uh, and toddlers as they're as they're uh, expanding really rapidly. So, uh, in evolution, there are often major changes, and then things sort of coast along for a while, and then there's more major changes. Uh, in human evolution, interestingly, the brain uh, continued to get larger over a long period of time. So there was probably a, a continuous improvement in the diet. So we would have gone from being uh, confrontational scavengers running out to a piece of meat and scaring the hyenas away uh, to actual hunters. And so our pre-adaptations for being bipeds, for being able to run long distances, would have allowed us to do things like confrontational scavenging. No, sorry, uh, not confrontational scavenging, uh, persistence hunting. So we would have been able to just run at an animal uh, until it uh, collapsed from exhaustion. Uh, so we are... Uh, much like we have extra large brains, which is what we notice all the time, we are also unusually uh, efficient at long distance movement uh, in a way that at noon in the middle of the day, if we chase a large uh, gazelle, we can run it to death. And we would actually target the uh, mature males because they're heavier, it's harder for them to run. And we do it right in the middle of the day when it's hottest for them because we're the only things that sweat. How long, how long did this did this transition take from? So this is probably the next uh, million and a half years. Um, things are going almost logarithmically faster. So it's 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 four million years, then it's two million years, and the next thing we're going to be looking at is two hundred thousand years. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, you know first it's doubling, and then it's powers of ten. Uh, things are going much much faster. So the brain's getting bigger. We're having uh, more capabilities, uh, and then we discover fire. And so fire becomes uh, one of our other tools that we co-evolve with. And between that and the, uh, the stone tools, our, um, our ability to digest food starts to improve. We're able to get food digested essentially outside of our bodies. We mash it up. We cook it. Uh, up until uh, fire, everything had been raw. And so now uh, what fire does for you is it breaks apart the food, makes it much easier to even, absorb. Even the meat had been raw. Even the meat had been raw, and we might have cut it and pounded it a little bit to, to soften it up, but you know, we have that saying, sit around and chew the fat. Everything was really, really tough. And certainly anything you pulled off of a dried carcass on the Serengeti that the hyenas hadn't taken yet was going to be kind of dry and tough. And so we, we were really good at chewing. We had the extra thick uh, teeth, uh, but now, interestingly, our teeth start to get smaller again. Uh, and so uh, we don't have the same teeth as the Australopithecines have, but they're still thicker than uh, and, and, and larger than a chimp would have, also flatter for grinding. Um, so our diets have changed, but it's still really uh, tough. Uh, and and we're, we, we have a lot of exercise in our mouth. Our, our, our jaws are thick and strong and our facial muscles 
are uh, are 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 uh, you know designed for being able to bite through a, a bone or to rip meat off using our teeth uh, from something that's already partially dried. But with fire, we're able to uh, soften everything and start um, cooking. And so it probably was first roasting, um, maybe some boiling later, uh, putting you know a tuber under a fire to to let it soften. And this is also uh, detoxifying a lot of plants. A lot of plants have uh, anti-nutritional factors that will actually, uh, you could, if you were eating nothing but soybeans raw, you would starve to death. They would actually block their own absorption of food. Uh, they have things that destroy proteins and prevent themselves from getting eaten. So raw foods were certainly our history, but it's not what we ended up evolving for. Uh, we evolved to eat partially digested foods, the stuff that had pounded with our, with our, um, our tools and that had been uh, softened and cooked. Uh, so our brains are getting larger and it's at the same time as our stomach is getting smaller. Uh, and so, uh, we're able to digest the food as why, efficiently. Why is our stomach getting smaller? Our stomach is getting smaller because we're able to give it pre-processed food. It doesn't have to do as much work. Mm. And so we don't end up needing any more calories just to sit and exist than we did before, even though our brain is now taking almost a fifth of our total calories. We have uh, turned our brain into this freakish organ that is absorbing all of our energy. And what we've done is we've reduced our stomach size. And so the overall uh, cost of existence uh, has switched from being associated with digestion to being associated with uh, you know, supplying the brain with glucose and, 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 and oxygen. Uh, so that's our main metabolic cost. Uh, so our brains have been growing, uh, our, uh, our, our tools have been improving, uh, and you're seeing a continuous improvement in, in what would be uh, the language areas, so the left-hand sides of the brain, uh, the, the lowering of the larynx so that uh, we're able to uh, form words more uh, clearly. Uh, but our tools have remained roughly the same for the last two million years. They're, they're basically hand axes. They're hand axes and choppers. Uh, and varieties of those things. Hand axes meaning meaning just carved pieces of stone. A, a, a large stone about the size of a cell phone that's sharp all the way around uh, and that I speculate was used for throwing mostly against um, members of our own species. They were our anti-personnel weapons. So it's not, it's not something on a stick like an axe. Not it's something on a, a stick. Yeah, and then starting around 300,000 years ago, 200,000 years ago, depending where and when, uh, we start to develop spears. And so there's another transition. And this is the transition to the Middle Stone Age. This is when uh, Neanderthals are developing, when Denisovans are developing, uh, and it's when we're starting to see the, ver the first evidence of spears in, uh, in Africa. So um, but we just jumped a bunch of time. Yeah, so we went from two million years ago, we suddenly get brains. Maybe a million years ago, we're getting fire. Um, and then uh, around 300,000 years ago, we're starting to get spears. And this, this is another big change. So now we have the ability to uh, have, um, you know, keep someone in, far away from us with our spear. Um, and this is probably also related to changes in, in stature. So uh, male Australopithecines are twice the size of females. Uh, Homo erectus is, you know, 15, 20% larger than the female. So we're getting closer to the modern differences. And um, assuming that we didn't stop competing for females, why would the males have uh, become uh, more equal in size to the females? We didn't, I don't think, switch to 
uh, a monogamous relationship where there's no male-male competition, I think what happened is we've switched the competition to something done with spears. And so uh, like what we'd seen in the transition to hand axes, we're using our tools as a way of um, fighting each other and display. So you wave the spear in the air and someone backs up. But again, you can have war. A bunch of guys with spears are so much more effective than a bunch of people with just hand axes. So this is a technology that spreads, spreads pretty rapidly, uh, and you see it um, reinvented in several different places. So it's happening in Europe with the Neanderthals, it's happening in Asia so with Denisovans. So it's Denisovans. both being passed along and also being invented spontaneously right. as, all as, at the same time. As our brains get bigger, we figure out that a sharp stone on a stick is a huge reach advantage. So can I ask you, 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 dis you discussed why you know, and how our jaws became what they are in our facial structure. Why did we start devoting so much of our so uh, a large quantity of our calories to our brains. Why did the brains develop the way that they did? Was it well, a, a, a large brain was the new adaptation. It's like a bird's wing. So we we have a new a large brain because it allows us to get more resources, but we need those resources to feed the but large so, brain. So, so thinking was more important now in getting food. Absolutely. Okay. It was the only way we could make the tools that we were making. We okay. had to pass these ideas along to each other. We had to have concepts we had to have some way of of explaining things so a, a better brain actually was led to greater survival right possibilities. and now most predators tend to be smarter than most prey uh, animals um just sort of as a general rule uh, uh, you know a killer whale is going to be smarter than a blue whale and a, and a you know a coyote is going to be smarter than a deer um but uh we pushed that to a much higher level where we were becoming um, uh, social predators that required uh, social interactions and our hunting uh, became our main way of getting calories. A, a, a um, hunter-gatherer on her own could support um, uh, her offspring uh, maybe barely, right? So you need about 1,500 calories a day. That's about what you can gather in a day if you're working hard, particularly with a toddler in tow, it might be only about 1,000. So you would slowly starve to death if you were trying to gather your own food. So you need someone who can bring meat. Now that might be uh, the male and the female working together to get, get meat. Uh, it could be just the male on their own. Um, up until recently, we tended to think of it as just the male on their own, but it turns out that females working uh, as, you know, part of the uh, uh, group pushing animals towards the hunters would have been a typical way uh, that a whole tribe together would have been uh, uh, gathering resources. So again, it's, it's social interaction uh, combined with uh, hunting ability, combined with language, combined with tools. So all the advantages we've already seen with brains are now coming together uh, with fire and, uh, and, and our stones to uh, give us new advantages for getting calories which allows us to get bigger brains. So this is a continuous push towards larger and larger brains. It's you know something that was going on with very heavy selection. Whoever was smartest had more babies, uh, and so that was you know the 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 definition of Darwinian fitness. Um, and then somewhere, somewhere around 150, maybe 200,000 years ago, well into the middle Paleolithic, after we'd had spears already, things started to change again, and we don't know exactly what was happening for a while. There was this sort of wonderful theory that there was a point mutation in the language gene and that this had given us uh, the ability to have abstract thought. Uh, but it, now it's looking like there was uh, probably several mutations over a longer period of time, which probably is more real if you, if you think about how things happen. It's usually not a bolt from the blue that makes everything happen all at once. 
Um, what what caused these several mutations over time? Well, what, what cause causes mutations is, 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 is random chance. Cosmic rays hit your DNA and something changes. Most of the time it's bad, but uh, these were what are known as missense mutations. So they didn't change it to something that didn't work. It changed it to a different kind of amino acid. So from one amino acid to another, and now you've got a got an, a, an enzyme that's doing something else entirely. So the FOXP2 region of the gene of uh, region of the uh, genome is a uh, collection of regulatory genes. Uh, it's not just a sort of single speech gene that gives you imagination, but it's rather a um, uh, a region that controls brain development in general. And so any mutations in the uh, in the, in these in these uh, brain development uh, regions of the genome tend to be really bad. And that's how we found the FOXP2 gene. There was some mutations in it and people couldn't speak correctly, but their non-speech intelligence hadn't gone down. It was just regarding speech. So we realized that there is an actual separation between speech and intelligence in terms of what you can measure. Um, and uh, so that was why people started looking into this region and found out that there were unique adaptations that made us different from the chimpanzees in the FOXP2 region and that they were highly selected for. If they changed in any way, you did not pass on those genes. Uh, and uh, some of the original studies, the problem was they'd only looked at Europeans, and it turns out that Europeans had gone through a population bottleneck, so it looked like that these genes had been selected for much more recently rather than reality, which is that they, they were, there were older genes. Now, it does appear there, there is another portion of FOXP2, not the ones that were originally found, that seems to have some overall regulatory function, which is also seeming to be relatively recent, but the authors were not going to speculate about exactly where or when it had happened, like the people had with the earlier gene. They decided not to, not to go that far. But it seems as though there was a continuous series of, of uh, mutations in the language region of our genome, and uh, that some of these were happening probably during the uh, Middle Paleolithic. Some of the genes you find in um, Neanderthals, which were outside of Africa, as well as the African populations, so it means it had to have been before the split. Um, but then when we actually left Africa, we, it, when we interbred with Neanderthals, we did not take their language genes. All of the uh, language genes that modern humans have stayed from the uh, genes that we developed in Africa. Uh, we did not cross out any of those genes. So we have several skin, hair, uh, immune system genes that come from Neanderthals and uh, um, you know, populations that are not from Sub-Sahara. So the people left Africa, they crossbred with Neanderthals, got a whole set of new genes, but not the language gene. So whatever it is that we have, Neanderthals didn't have. It's a highly conserved region did not crossbreed uh, with the Neanderthals. Anytime it did, those people got selected out. We maintained our, our language gene intact with, with no modifications. Uh, so that's uh, an important indication that it's, it's vital to who we are. Um, and so what do you see happening culturally that coincides with uh, this change in the FOXP2 region? You start to see things that indicate a higher level of conception, abstract thought. Uh, so this is when we get the first art. So art starts about 80,000 years ago, and it's very simple. It looks like a hashtag made of some scratches on a piece of redstone. Uh, but uh, we think that we were probably painting each other at this time. And the technology that you start to see... Painting each other, you mean painting, body on, painting. on each yeah, other's so, body. So we find these palettes uh, with red ochre, which is a great paint, but we don't find it painted on the walls yet. 
Uh, so we were, we were purposely collecting paint and then putting it into a little shell to hold the paint. And we were scratching patterns in the stone you got the paint from, but there's no paint on the walls yet. So we assume that we were painting each other or maybe stone artifacts or, or you know, sorry, stones, sorry, yeah. sorry, you know, or, or, or maybe wooden things. Um, but something, something that was not the cave walls yet. So we don't have evidence of that. But the art is there. And with the art, you see advanced technologies like fish hooks and needles. And both of these... All of this happens at the same time. All of this happens at the same time. So this is, again, sort of the co-evolution of our technology and our imagination and our diet. So uh, with... And, and this, this, this <clears throat> development in, in imagination and, and essentially theoretical thought that's transformed into things that exist this didn't happen this isn't one thing it wasn't one thing it was it was a progression but what once it had all come together then it stayed the same then it was heavily selected for whatever series of genes we got were, were really important so the, for example there, there, there seems to be a protein that is not expressed in humans that is expressed in chimpanzees that was selected for at this particular time uh that uh, seems to be really important. It's a regulatory gene. We don't know exactly what it does, and it's next to FOXP2, and so it seems to be involved with all of FOXP2. So it's the way the genes get expressed. And we know it's involved, but we just don't know. Not how. yet. There's, well, there's too many things because regulatory genes can have other regulatory genes that regulate them. <laughs> and, and, and then they regulate other things, which might be genes that regulate other things. Everyone answers to someone. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's a whole bunch of, uh, you know, feedback loops. And um, there was a bunch of mutations, and then they stayed fixed, essentially. And there is some uh, variation, but they tend to be in regions that are not the key regulatory sites. Uh, so anyway, we're developing uh, things like uh, fish hooks. And if you, think about, if you think about what a fish hook can do, and what it involves. This is where you really get the grasp of, of, of development imagination. You have to imagine a fish in the water that you can't see. You have to imagine what that fish is going to eat. What it wants. What it wants, exactly. Where it lives, what it wants. Because the fish aren't everywhere. They're in a particular spot. They're living next to that rock over there. And you have to find them without seeing them. And then somehow get it to bite at your fish hook. So you have to find the food it wants to eat. You then have to make a... a, a uh, some sort of line to connect that fish hook to some sort of pole or, or way to get that fish hook out there. All of these things is a multi-step process before you have a fish, right? To, to, if you want to get into a carcass, all you need is a sharp rock. You can see the carcass right in front of you. You know you need to cut it. You've got a rock in your hand. You just break that rock, you cut the carcass. Everything is very direct. Uh, but now things are much more abstract. They're, they're, they're stepping back of, uh, 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 to another level. Uh, same thing with a needle. And that took 200,000 years. Well, no, that took a million and a half years oh, okay, to get sorry, sorry. from from where where we were to where we are yeah, now. Okay, okay. Yeah, so we're we're around between five hundred thousand and two hundred thousand years. This is all happening, and by two hundred thousand years, it's it's happened. It's done. It's yeah. done. Yeah, and 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 so it it took about three hundred thousand years for it all to settle, but it took a million and a half years to get there. But we suddenly see these new technologies. It didn't happen that we got a bad fish hook and then a better fish hook because <laughs> none of it works until you can imagine the fish and none of it works until you're making thread. And uh, you have to, you, thread is, is useful, right? Ropes are always useful, but a really small rope isn't useful unless you're thinking of tying something up. You have to think of an, another thing involved. Nothing is direct with a thread. Um, and so it's the same with the needles. You know, you have to 
prepare a hide in some way. Uh, you have to make a thread to sew the hide. You have to imagine, I'd really like to not freeze when it gets cold, and so I have to make this ahead of time. Uh, and it has to be, have, go through several steps. You can't just take a hide off of something and wear it directly. You have to soften it, uh, mostly through chewing, but also through possibly boiling it in something. Uh, so these new technologies are all coming together, the control of fire, the control of uh, 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 making fine, fine tools that work with other tools. Uh, and these are all happening more or less at the same time. And this sets the stage for us to leave Africa. With these new technologies, we're able to leave. Now, our ancestors a million and a half years ago had already left Africa. So the first set of technologies, the hand axe, probably enabled us to travel. Uh, certainly, the, the, having stone tools at all enabled us to follow the, um, the, follow the herds out of Africa, to follow the... the the grassland animals. And so we were a grassland predator following grassland animals. And so the, the elephants walked out of Africa and we followed them. Uh, that was a million and a half years ago. We probably tried a couple of times after that, but there were already people there then. So it was much more difficult to leave Africa. We may have left in two separate waves. The first wave was about 100,000 years ago. Doesn't seem to have survived. We don't have any genes from that. What we did find was we find uh, human mitochondria in Neanderthals from about 100,000 years ago. We don't find it from before that, uh, but we find it after that. And we find art in Neanderthals starting around then. So I suspect that there was a uh, wave out of Africa around 100,000 years ago, didn't survive, crossbred with Neanderthals. They got our mitochondria and our uh, speech genes. And it enabled them to start making some primitive art, uh, you know, handprints on the wall, nothing like a, you know, a picture of a woolly mammoth or something like that, but lines on walls, handprints, that sort of thing. And then 60,000 years ago, another wave of humans leaves Africa and we're able to survive. And we wipe out the Neanderthals within about 20,000 years. We wipe them out fairly quickly. So we are not necessarily nice. While we are very much social animals, we are social hunters, we can't get along without each other, uh, our babies will starve without help, our societies will collapse if we don't work together, we're also genocidal murderers. We, we wander into a new area and we eat everything we can if we can catch it. Um, and so this is sort of the, 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 the pattern of our history after this. Every time we enter a new area, uh, whoever has the best technology wins. Whoever has the worst technology disappears. Just dies. And it's usually their Y chromosome that disappears. It's usually the male chromosome. So it seems as though we're killing all the males and keeping the females. Um, so the same thing that they, that Columbus did when he got to uh, the uh, the Taino in uh, 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 Hispaniola. Uh, all of the Y chromosomes were gone within a couple generations. Uh, the Taino had done to the same islands in Hispaniola 400 years previously. When they'd gotten there, there'd been people there already, and all of the Y chromosomes disappeared. So this this is absolutely something that is part of our history. This is it's something we do. It is something we do. But we also interbreed with the people there. And so the, 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 the genes are not lost entirely. So even though we wiped out the Neanderthals, we have Neanderthal genes. It's only about 2% of our total genome, uh, but uh, we, 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 we share that. So uh, in terms of uh, sort of 
diet and exercise, what would have been happening at this time? Again, transition to meat, but now we have uh, much more a wider variety of, of, of foods. So we're able to eat uh, marine sources of foods. So we're able to go fishing. We have harpoons, right? That's another thing that involves knowing where something is. You have to have a harpoon point with barbs tied onto a stick with a line that then stops the thing not swimming away. You have to be able to understand how to aim a harpoon. You know, the diffraction means that uh, the, the target you're looking at is, is, is 10 degrees over from where you actually have to aim. Uh, so our, our ability to get new sources and a, a greater variety of sources of food has greatly expanded. We're probably making snares, right? So a string can get you a rabbit. You chase the rabbit into the little noose and suddenly you have a smaller animal uh, fairly easily. So this is a wide variety of foods. It's probably how we outcompeted the Neanderthals. It wasn't just all, you know, going up and killing them directly slaughter, but it was just eating all the foods that they would normally eat. Uh, and so you see us pushing out the Neanderthals, and with this comes a whole new level of art. And uh, again, probably due to various pro-European biases, at first we thought this was only happening in Europe, but we're now finding out this is happening everywhere. We head to Indonesia, and we start painting on the walls in Indonesia 40,000 years ago. We're painting the animals we hunt. We're seeing the same thing in Malaysia. We start seeing this uh, in Europe. We're seeing uh, woolly mammoths on the walls. We're seeing... Uh, the uh, the rhinos. Uh, and why rhinos. is this happening all around the world at the same time? Because we've left Africa with these superior language genes that allows us imagination. And with imagination, with these new technologies that imagination can give us, with the new social interactions that we have, we also have the desire to paint what we see. So these these progressions are 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 innate in us and developing all at the same time, everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, it's not confined to any single population. Uh, certainly in the earlier, more racist uh, version of human evolution, uh, there were a lot of suppositions that there was something special about uh, European populations or something not special about sub-Saharan African populations. But that is not the case. These are all genes that evolved in Africa. We brought out of Africa. This was being human happening. Being human happening. And it came from an African population. Um, interestingly, uh, uh, Europeans probably had dark skin till about 4,000, 5,000 years ago. And it was a, um, uh, it was a Middle Eastern farming population that displaced the hunter gatherers. The, uh, the supposed ubermensches of early, uh, Europe would have had dark skin and been the tall hunters that, uh, the Nazis really loved. Uh, they were, they were not what they would, Nazis would have wanted them to look like. Those were, those were, um, uh, uh, Middle Eastern farmers who came in and, and displaced them, possibly with a Neanderthal gene, making them uh, uh, unusually pale. Because uh, <laughs> Europeans are indeed paler than other other groups, but it is it is literally only skin deep. It's just mel it's just melanin, and there there it it, it it didn't even come from Europe. Um, so uh, it's 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 interesting to think of how our um, our sort of spiritual life is directly related to our development of technology and is directly related to the things we eat and how we live. The ability to keep ourselves warm in a cave means that we're able to survive the ice age winters, which means that we have a community sitting in the cave and painting on the walls, which means we start to think about uh, you know, the flickering lights and the things we see in our brains. And we start putting our imagination onto the walls of the cave. And this is the beginning of a, uh, uh, some sort of uh, spiritual development uh, and is accompanying a uh, whole new set of uh, 
uh, things that we can eat. So our, our, our teeth have continued to get smaller as our diet has gotten uh, higher quality. Our brain has continued to get larger. And this is the largest our brain gets. So in the middle of the ice age, our, our brain is up to uh, 1350 cc's, same size as Neanderthal, but a very different shape. We have a much rounder brain. The left side of our brain, our language brain, is much larger. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a thousand cc's larger than a chimpanzee. So, so a chimpanzee's brain is 350 cubic centimeters. And a uh, Ice Age hunter-gatherer's brain was 1,350 cubic centimeters. So much, much larger. Modern human brains were closer to 1150. We've shrunk again mm. since then. So this was the apex of our, uh, uh, just in terms of brain size. Uh, now, we don't, again, have any of the actual brains left over, uh, so we don't know what they would have looked like. We know folding in a brain is in extremely important for the way regions communicate with each other and for the ability to um, uh, uh, process information. Uh, so a chimp's brain is not just smaller, it's also much less folded. So there's something about uh, the development of the forebrain in humans, uh, the development of, of, of language regions that includes uh, very, very uh, deep folds in the brain. And so this could have continued to happen, but probably was, was fully developed by 50,000 years ago, let's say. Uh, so uh, this is, this is uh, showing that um, we can't just think about how we live in terms of what foods we should eat outside of our uh, entire uh, 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 mental life. Everything we're doing is based on our ability to imagine things. So we were imagining our, our the, what we were hunting. We were then painting it on the wall. So we were able to display our imagination. We were able to uh, uh, get into the minds of our actual, uh, the things we were actually eating. Uh, and it's something to think about in, in, in the modern world, how we've separated ourselves from our diet so that we no longer imagine the animals that we're interacting with in any way. We are now essentially uh, separated from them. Uh, we've also uh, confined our diet in many ways. We, we, we eat only a few kinds of meat. We eat uh, very few uh, 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 plants at all, right? We only have a few staple plants that we eat. Uh, we have a few sort of condiment plants on the side, like, uh, you know, your, 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 your side dishes. Uh, but we've, we've now confined our diet to uh, only a few different kinds of foods. Uh, and this is going to have profound effects on our, on our health. Uh, by having particularly uh, high fiber diets with a variety of uh, different sources, you're building structural diversity in your stomach as you eat. And this is going to provide different um, kinds of uh, structural diversity for uh, bacteria. So when you're building your, um, your, your microbiome, uh, the, 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 the flora that live with you, uh, you uh, are, are actually limiting it by the, the, the numbers of kinds of foods you eat, particularly the uh, high, um, uh, high calorie, uh, uh, high carbohydrate, uh, easily, easily digestible staple foods, the starches. Uh, and I think that's really been our downfall since the development of farming. That's probably why our brains got smaller. Uh, was the development of farming, uh, you know, mm. periodic starvation due to drought, etc. Only the small farmers survived. Farming communities tend in general to be smaller than uh, ones with more meat in their diet. Uh, and uh, all of these things are then accompanied by a whole range of problems uh, for health. So uh, we went from being people who would uh, run for a mile and then take a couple days off and then walk for a couple of miles and then dig something and then chop something to someone who had to work really hard 
all day. And so farming is bad for your back and it's bad for your joints, but at least you're getting decent exercise. You're strong, you're, you're still moving. So these are the, these, these are the kinds of transitions that are, that are, that are happening where uh, we go from what we were evolved for, which was definitely hunter gatherer to something that we were not evolved for, which is living in one place in large groups, passing diseases to each other uh, and uh, digging all day. You know, we, we went from being runners and walkers to being diggers essentially. And uh, that was uh, a, a, a major, major change. And our species got smaller. Our brains got smaller. We became shorter. Um, we, we, we generally, uh, even though our, our populations went way up, we became much more numerous. Uh, we, were, we were not as healthy. And so when you want to think about um, health, you want to sort of think about this, this beginning period, the, the hunter-gatherer period, where we're developing uh, uh, early um, forms of a spiritual life uh, as also the time when we're developing probably our optimal diet, uh, our optimal uh, uh, exercise routines. But it was not simply eating one kind of meat all the time. It was eating many different meats, eating much more of the entire animal. It would have been uh, wide sources of uh, carbohydrates, probably a lot of fasting, right? You would go for a couple of days without food before you'd find the food. When you get the meat, you'd eat nothing but meat for a whole day because you can't preserve the meat very easily. And then you would be eating, uh, you know, whatever uh, roots or berries or whatever it is you can gather most of the time. So most days people are gathering maybe a thousand calories a day of purely carbohydrates, very high fiber. And then every once in a while, there's a huge influx of high calorie meat that keeps everyone alive. So it wasn't a, a life of just living on, uh, you know, just muscle meat. It would have been a wide variety of foods uh, with um, mostly carbohydrates most of the time, but then just binging on meat periodically and also uh, periodic fasting. So if you think about uh, many of the uh, modern um, uh, sort of diet approaches, they all work for different ways. So something like the Mediterranean diet works because it's really uh, focusing on the uh, complex carbohydrates and variety. Uh, some of the um, what they call paleo diets might work because they're cutting out the sugars and they're cutting out those simple starches. Uh, so they lower the, uh, the glycemic response uh, and the insulin response. These diets work for different reasons, but they work because they're approximating what we were evolved for. We were evolved for eating almost only vegetables most of the time, and then having tremendous amounts of meat periodically. We were also evolved for large amounts of varied exercise, not just one thing, not digging all day, but lots of variety of exercise. Uh, and we were evolved to have a spiritual life, to be part of a community, to work together, to, to, to imagine, uh, things and then put them onto the wall to see our inner life expressed in our community with each other uh, and to see how our, our imagination develops. All right. Wow. That was, uh, Thank that you. was fascinating. Um, where are we going next time? Uh, I'm not sure. I think, I think we will start talking about specific aspects of the diet. So I'd like to talk about the role of sugar. I would like to talk about the role of intermittent fasting. I would like to talk about things like, um, uh, 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 various kinds of exercise uh, that are not just one kind. I want to talk about the, 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 the details of, of, of health that we've talked about. And then I'd like to talk about the role of the imagination in our lives. So I'd like to break down some of the themes I've been working on and, uh, and focus on those. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much. See you next time.